Hello, and welcome back to Sci-Fi Book Club podcast. Still, still not a great name. No, we'll uh, we'll come up with a new name for it though this time. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we are we're here podcasting from the Galactic Center. Um, it's 900 years in your future. As always, I'm your host Brent Aldrich, and uh, joining me is John Love. Uh, hello. He's uh, he's broadcasting via holographic projection. That's true. We are we're podcasting here. Uh, for those of you who don't know, from this abandoned spaceship we found with 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 podcasting equipment, and it was filled with science fiction books and and movies paraphernalia uh, from from your time, your present. Yes. Correct. Uh, so today we're going to talk about. The book written uh, by Earth author Ray Bradbury, uh, The Martian Chronicles, uh, published in uh, 1950. Yes, I believe it's his first uh, ever novel published. So, great job, uh, Ray Bradbury. Right, pretty strong out of the gates. Yes. Uh, Speaking of coming strong out of the gates, I'm just going to cover a couple questions that I'm sure every listener has. Immediately. One, uh, did anybody call in and uh, for the listener challenge? Oh. Listener challenge! The, listener uh, challenge. the answer is no, nobody did. And that's smart because they would have been wrong. <laughs> uh, we were obviously right. I told you that from the beginning. <laughs> that being said, I'm going to, uh, the Earth expression, kill two birds with one stone. Absolutely. Uh, and initiate this week's Listener challenge! Uh, so here we go. Um, you know, on page on page 70 of my copy, uh, they, there was two of these copies uh, aboard. I found one. Uh, so they might be different pages. You never know. Okay. Um, there's mention of a some sort of domestic animal on this planet that ha- might have 12 legs. Who knows? That's what it says. <laughs> Uh, so the listener challenge is how many legs does this creature might this creature have? The right answer is twelve. <laughs> so feel free to call in, okay, and debate me. Um, you could also debate me on whether or not it's a horrible, horrible creature for having six times the recommended number of legs. Uh, but you, either case, you'll be wrong and I'm right. Okay. So uh, that is this week's listener challenge. Follow-up question. This is not the listener challenge. This okay. is just follow-up questions. Uh, End of segment. Well, uh, okay, okay. I mean, I'm still going to talk about it. Okay. But uh, there may be questions for you, the, the questioner. Um, question master. Yeah, so, so every, every, every time between podcasts, um, mm-hmm. John goes back to his corporeal body. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, I, I assume. I, I can't see his holographic projection anymore anyway. Uh, he goes back, he he diligently works on this segment of the show. Yes. The listener challenge. A lot of research. Yeah. And meaning um, I read the book. <laughs> and and formulates this question. So mm-hmm. I just want to ask some clarifying questions. Sure. Um, two of which I've forgotten already. Okay. Um, Perfect. But uh, I'll, uh, I'll still ask you. Okay. So the creature has 12 legs? Uh, who knows? Okay. That's actually what it says on the page. Okay. Uh, 
So I imagine big canals and clocks and places for stabling. This is all. This is a quote. Now. Oh, okay. Uh, if not horses, well, then some domestic animal, perhaps with 12 legs. Who knows? Okay. So the question then is, how many legs, how many legged creature does Spender reference as potentially existing on, on this planet, um, on Mars? Uh, the answer is 12. So that is your challenge. Okay. If you can refute that, if you can find out that it may be more or less than 12, uh, call in and be wrong. Okay. Uh, can, you, can you end this out of the segment this time for real now? With the, with the sound that happens at the end of the segment. Segment finished! Beep, beep. Great. Um, so, as, as a question to you, uh, mm-hmm. just you, mm-hmm. uh, you, you, also, you also said uh, that this creature may have six times the number of recommended legs. And right. I'd just like to know, uh, who recommended that? Uh Moral moral correctness. Okay, I believe. Okay, I think there's something in this book about that, but we'll get to that. Fair enough. Okay. Well, um, now that we're done with that segment, uh, where do you want to jump into this book, John? Uh, second things second. Um, yep. Why is the planet not called Mart? This is these are the Martian Chronicles, and the oh. planet is not called Mart. Martian. That's my axe to grind this week. Um, New segment called Axe to Grind. Well, that's my Axe to Grind. Ooh, that was a good sound effect on our machine well here. Well timed. Yeah. Well, I, I think that his first book was was going to be um, the the um, he had a, he had a working draft, I believe, of the Kmartian Chronicles. Sure. But um, you get good deals in that book. <laughs> there's a blue light special on that book. Sure. Is it a rollback special? But that is um, a corporation we're not going to name because we're not advertising for them. <laughs> no way. Now there, there is. Um, uh, let me let me jump in in a second. Where jump in now? Oh, I'm going jump to jump right in. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm trying to fill the space while I look up a page in my book. Just let it happen. Just let there be pauses. I think okay. we've established that pauses are okay here. Oh yeah. So you know, give yourself give yourself a break. Just don't think about anything for the next four seconds. Good that podcast. Was, okay, that was nice. That was good. Podcast I enjoyed it. You're welcome. And I also found my page. Um, you 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 said that you were you looked up the old uh, uh, the the moral police. What'd you call them? Uh, I just said moral correctness. Okay. Which okay. It's not any sort of organizing organizing body. It's just it's just like the facts of the galaxy. I see. Okay. Yeah. Again, universe, you decide. <laughs> um, well, because I, I only I only call back to that because uh, there is this this bizarre chapter thrown in here where, as you mentioned, uh, this is Ray Bradbury's first book. First published yes, book, correct. And uh, there is a whole lot of these chapters in the Martian Chronicles where I really f- start to feel like there's references to other books that he wants to write and does write. Sure. Um, many other books, like so. So, for instance, this this one chapter, this Usher Two chapter, mm-hmm. April two, April two thousand five, Usher Two. 
Um, that one feels honestly kind of like a weirdly out of place in in the progression of the Martian Chronicles. Yep. And to me feels a lot like though many of his other later books of short stories sure. that are these more like haunting Edgar Allan Poe style mm-hmm. um, books. So in this one I haven't read them but well that means nothing to me. Okay. I, I dug some of them out of the back of the spaceship, and I've got them tucked under my Shoot. captain's seat right now. Maybe we'll get there yeah. someday. We, we may. I mean, you can borrow it when I'm done with it. Okay. Um, in, in, in Usher 2, there is this Mr. Stendhal, mm-hmm. who builds this crazy house based on Edgar Allan Poe's House of Usher. There's, I thought that was the original idea, but never mind. Well... I mean, <laughs> if, what's originality, anyways? Am exactly. Right? There's no such thing sure. in the whole universe. Yep. And so we uh, podcasting, I believe. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't I think. I don't think it's we don't have any of on on the ship, as far as I know. No. But I'm not there. I'm projected in. So. I mean, we knew that we were going to cast, and we're doing it on this space pod, so we yeah. called it podcasting. Yeah. We're casting pods. It makes sense. Well, yeah. Right. Casting. So new medium. Yeah. Podcast. Universe. You decide. Uh, no vicious air quotes there. No way. Later. Uh, he he builds his house. The conversation with the architect is really fantastic. Mm. Mr. Bigelow, the architect. Right. Uh, he finishes it. He, he steps back and, and asks this guy, is this everything you wanted? And then this great string of questions. Is the color right? Is it desolate and terrible? Uh, Do you want me to play the other part here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, I'll be Mr. Bigelow. Okay. Uh, is it everything you wanted, sir? Yes! Is the color right? Is well, it? I'm breaking in and out. Oh, is that <coughs> Oh, is that some static on the... That's weird. Wow, okay. Yeah, I'm not beaming in very well today. I apologize for that. Anyways, from the top. Is it everything you wanted, sir? Yes! Is the color right? Is it desolate and terrible? Very desolate. Very terrible. The walls are... Bleak? Amazingly so. The tarn. Is it black and lurid enough? Most incredibly black and lurid. And the sedge. We, we've dyed it, you know. Is it the proper gray and ebon? Hideous! Can we just read the whole, we just read the whole book? Mr. Big, Mr. Bigelow consulted his architectural plans. <laughs> From these, Keep he going. quoted in pause. Hold on. Page, page one. <laughs> okay, let's begin. <laughs> Now, are this we... is why this is why people are in book clubs just to read the book together, and this is why people are going to listen to podcasts to listen to books. Oh, exactly! It's such a good idea. They could Jesus. they wouldn't even have to read it themselves. Let's they call could it, listen, right? Let's call it audiobooks because they're using their audio senses. To we just to a I think book. we just came up with a new name for the podcast: Audiobook Podcast. <laughs> Sci-Fi Book Club Audiobook Podcast. It's genius! Wow. This is pretty good. Uh, <laughs> pretty uh, do you want to begin? Um, January, no. <laughs> 1999. Okay, okay, never mind. We'll go back. There was a reason I brought this up. Oh, because oh, I think, yeah, I think that that, that whole chapter, I, I don't really need to reference anything in particular other than to say um, that chapter to me... Oh, I remember why I pulled it up now. That chapter to me, though, feels very much like... Uh, one of his future books. There's this great one I love, um, October or something, I don't remember. Uh, but uh, but then, who would show up visiting 
but Garrett, investigator of moral climates. Sure. And, um, and, and the moral climate people uh, show up on Mars, you know, to put yeah. everything back in order. Right. Which the moral climate people do exist in you know, 900 years from oh your guys' gosh. present. But the one, the one issue that, I mean, uh, I think is sort of put to bed, correct number of legs, two. That's that's the only the only one I'm on board with them. Otherwise, they're a bunch of assholes. Are they enforcing that now? Oh, if they're not, I mean, uh, personally, I think that they're a little light on it. I think they're not they're not getting not enforcing it harshly enough. And you're lucky that I'm not in the space with you. I'm just projected in because I would rip off five of your legs. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to cover them up underneath my desk so that oh, uh, I know they're there. Oh my goodness, I do I do have seven you just legs, act listeners. Like a seven-legged creature sometimes. <laughs> Well, if that means by having seven times as many Legs hearts as one. and kneecaps, then guilty as charged. <laughs> seven times one? Do most do most creatures only have one leg? I don't. One heart, I believe. Oh, okay, sure. <coughs> That's. I mean, I'm not sure about 900 years from our time. You know, in in, in the in the current present, I'm not sure. Uh, the number of hearts that people have, or if they're in their legs, which apparently you seem to be implying. Well, as, you know, another day, I, I can regale to another my day, listeners the stories <laughs> of how I've come to have seven legs. As you know, my consciousness has been uploaded several times to different bodies, and right. it's come to its present form sure. with all seven legs um, through through a, a long series of events. <laughs> Don't get into it. I, I don't I, hear it. Another day. Another day. <laughs> so there, there's other there's other um, chapters in this book that uh, I, I think we could talk about in terms of how how they maybe turn into other actual Bradbury books in mm-hmm. you know in his future and his progression of writing. Right. So. Um, actually, actually, right where we're at in that Usher 2 chapter, mm-hmm. there's these references to, as you were pointing out, to the, to the Great Fire. Mm-hmm. The burning of books. The burning of books. Which we, you know, kids, if you're going to play with matches, keep them away from books. That's right. It's a moral lesson for the day. And also, we- any creature more than two legs, <laughs> moral lesson two legs, stay away from them. Or a lesson of the day number two. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Fahrenheit four fifty one, I believe. Four, yeah, four fifty one is the book that I believe you're you're referencing. Correct. Referring to. I I, I am. Sure. So, uh, do you want to do you want to read another section because it's got uh, it's got it's got Bigelow and Stendhal in it again. Any any section? Oh, well. Or one in that chapter. Um, which one would you like? Uh, next, just the next little section from where we were reading earlier. Sure. Yeah. Start. So I will. Uh, the. Yeah, I, I I think we should just read it. Okay. Um. I will continue to be Mr. Bigelow. Right. And I'll say, now that my job's done, said Mr. Bigelow uneasily. Yeah, right, get real. I, I feel free to ask what you're going to do with all this. Okay, okay I thought enough. With Usher? Haven't you guessed? Nope. 
Uh, does the name Usher mean nothing to you? Nothing. Well, what about this name, Edgar Allan Poe? Again, see, this is where I can't get into it because I don't know who that is. Well, you're playing it well. Okay. Mr. Bigelow shook his head. And again, I mean, not to critique your form here. Oh, I should have done a different voice. You should have shook your head. You should have shook your head. Right? I am right now. (laughs) He's doing it. Okay, I didn't see it. It was like, okay. Of course. (laughs) Stenhouse snorted delicately, a combination of dismay and contempt. Um, (laughs) How could I expect you to know blessed blessed Mr. Poe? He died a long while ago, before Lincoln... All of his books were burned in the Great Fire. That's 30 years ago, 1975. Ah, said Mr. Bigelow wisely. One of those. Yes, one of those. Bigelow, he and Lovecraft, and Hawthorne, and Ambrose Pierce, and the Tales, and... Are we... Is this... Are we uh, doing this in audiobook? Is that what's happening? Uh, at least for a little while longer. Okay. Ah, Freaking it out. Oh, wow, static. He and Lovecraft, and Hawthorne, and Ambrose fierce, and all the tales of terror and fantasy and horror, and for that matter, tales of the future were burned, heartlessly. They passed a law. Oh, it started very small. In 1950 and 60, it was a grain of sand. They began by controlling books of cartoons, and then detective books, and of course, films. One way or another, one group or another, political bias, religious prejudice, union pressures. There was always a minority afraid of something, and a great majority afraid of the dark, afraid of the future, afraid of the past. Afraid of the present, afraid of themselves, and shadows of themselves. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, reading that section, I definitely thought about Fahrenheit 451. Mm-hmm. And uh, at, at first, you know, it's tempting to think that, uh, to think about, like, and as you said, this is, Martian Chronicles this is his first book, so it's not like he's trying to, I think if the chronology had been different, I could easily imagine him writing Fahrenheit 451 and then writing this chapter and thinking, like, and then they go to Mars. Right. Um, so I think it's tempting to read it that way, but I, I I, think it is significantly different. You know, in Fahrenheit 451, you have this, this Montauk, who's the um, main character in it, who has this dilemma. He's supposed to burn the houses, burn the books. He starts reading books has to go underground they come after him mm-hmm. he meets he meets this group of uh, of people who are high, keeping books mm-hmm. and at the end of it he runs off with this Faber who was an English professor and others and they're at the end of the book the way it ends they're off like hanging out by the creek or the railroad track and they see the city like blow up because mm-hmm. this war happens and all that and so it, it's tempting almost to try to read this in light of that. Right. But I think that these guys in Fahrenheit 451 uh, were genuinely like the protagonists and good people preserving a tradition, whereas mm-hmm. this guy, uh, one by one, has these guys uh, killed and robotic versions of them uh, replaced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely. A little different, maybe. Yeah. But I can uh, one one way that I feel like I can see that it was um, that it did definitely like he was thinking these thoughts before, and that definitely inspired the new book. Uh, thinking about how just sort of weird this chapter is, yeah. and the rest of this book, and that the rest of it seems to be uh, sort of humanity's struggle to find a place, hmm. 
And this chapter seems to be, uh, not, to, not to bring up an old segment, but Ray Bradbury grinding his axe um, about uh, censorship yeah, and, uh, and that sort of thing. So I can see sort of both ways. I mean, it definitely was inspiring, but, but it's just sort of weird to see that story in this book. Um, and then uh, sort of regarding the same chapter, something I thought was interesting, uh, going back to our last podcast mm-hmm. about Philip K. Dick's approach to the deaths of androids in the book. Yeah. Uh, I feel like almost every single death in this book is pretty much <laughs> uh, a gun went off and he was dead. Yeah. There's very little like time to to sort of look back or um, muse on the importance of the lives here. They just, people just die, and then uh, other things start happening immediately. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of a specific example, but, uh, but yeah, that's, it, that seems to be happening. The only one I can think that's contrary to that is when it's in a previous story when uh, Spender, uh, the, the character who seems to... To think that if uh, if Earth Earthlings come to Mars, that they're going to destroy it, mm-hmm. uh, and he, you know, he seems to enjoy the Martian culture. Uh, his death lasted slightly longer, or or the the contemplation of his death lasted slightly longer than almost every other book, every other death in in this book or the previous week's book. So I um, a, a couple things. I mean. I, I definitely thought about that in terms of style with this book, and it seemed like um, a lot of the deaths were very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one point, though, at which I, I did make a note to say, um, wow, like descriptive language, mm-hmm. whereas with that Phil K. Dick book, right. there was none of that. Sure. Very few adjectives. Bare bones. Yeah, in that if book. You will. So um, uh, where, where I made the note of it, though, was just slightly later... And, well, we can talk about the structure of the book in a, in a minute, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to read. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to audiobook another part. Right. Um, so uh, a couple chapters later, and I will say these chapters, they're in chronological order. Um, so this is now November 2005, called The Off Season. And this is a chapter I definitely want to talk about later. Mm-hmm. But um, describing, let's see... Well, who all's in it? Um, Sam Parkhill, who's a character from earlier, is back in it, and they meet some some Martians who are some of the few left at this point. Mm-hmm. And he actually describes uh, this lady Martian. It says, The young woman sat at the tiller bench quietly. Her wrists were thin as icicles, her eyes as clear as the moon's and as large, steady, and white. The wind blew at her, and, like an image on cold water, she rippled silk. You know what? That's not the part I wanted to read. What I wanted to read was just <laughs> above it. So, uh, well, well, you know, eventually we'll just read the whole book, and then we can piece it together there's just, for a full Yeah, yeah, yeah. Book. There's just, like, one sentence between these. Here's what I wanted to read. Um, he felt something just above that. He felt something in the seat behind him, something as frail as your breath on a cold morning, something as blue as hickory wood smoke in twilight. Something like old white lace, something like a snowfall, something like the icy rim of water on a brittle sedge. Um, mm-hmm. 
and that was one of those parts where I really did think that Bradbury um, takes the time, you know, to to really set the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, now, shortly thereafter, uh, at the end of this page, get off my ship, said Sam. He took a gun from his holster with a creak of leather. He pointed carefully, jump off before I count to three, or, and then, you know, as you were saying, yeah, uh, the, the, the final, you know, the final <laughs> line in that short section is the yep. gun went off, and Period. that implies <laughs> that uh, this girl, this Martian, uh, died. Yeah, there's not, yeah, there's not a mention of, of her specifically. It's just the gun went off. Yeah, uh, which is kind of weird. I mean, it also takes the takes um, the blame off of anyone. I mean, the gun went off versus. Sam shot the girl is already quite different. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. The implication there is strange that you know who's to blame here becomes sort of muddled, even though it's pretty obvious who who did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very yeah, it's very weird. Um, this is quick tangent, very quick tangent. Take it. Um, I mean, we never take tangents on this episode on this show, but you true. can take a quick you know, one. I apologize. Um, so. Sam Parkhill, in this section, um, is bringing something from Earth to Mars, and he is claiming he's the first one to do it. That's opening a hot dog stand. Let's talk about this for the let's rest talk of the about, show. Let's talk about Earth people eating hot dogs, which I believe are pets. That's, I mean, first of all, I can understand because they're four-legged creatures where they would be sort of below uh, Earth Earth beings in the uh, in the hierarchy in the inevitable hierarchy that, that forms. Oh, well, but inevitable. come on, who eats their pets? That's the worst. Um, I have a lot of axes to grind today, and that's well, one. If Earth people, I've I've got I've get got your shit together. Um, you don't eat dog. You don't eat your pets. Even I, if they have twelve legs, you don't eat them. I've got a lot of notes about this chapter, actually. Okay. So oh, let me no. Let me just back up just to, just to say again. So the Martian Chronicle is structured in years. The start of every chapter will have a year and a month in front of it. So it, there's a chronology to it. Um, there are some characters who show up very early on who reappear later. Mm-hmm. Which I, I'd read this book before, but I honestly I kind of missed that um, that these this Sam Park Hill and then others mm-hmm. reappear. Right. Um, who had been there on the fourth expedition to Mars. I, I yeah. completely missed that until this reading. Right. Um, anyway, this chapter, um, November 2005, the off-season, um, I will say this was the chapter for me, from this point in the book on, I was completely in. I thought it got, like, the writing got really excellent, the stories got consistently excellent, and just the ideas um, in these chapters were, were kind of amazing. Uh, but... Man, this uh, this this whole deal about Sam Parkhill opening the first hot dog stand, hot dog stand, hot dog, hot hyphen dog, hot dog, hot dog stand. I, mean, I can't get over it. I mean, sorry, I'm sorry. I, I've tried to do some research on this topic because I I thought that um, it might be an issue, and I I, I can't quite tell what sort A of moral creature. Issue. Well, I, I can't understand what kind of creature these dogs were. They were pets. They were, they were pets. Doesn't matter the amount of legs that they have. Well, here's here's they what's were domesticated creatures meant to be loved. 
I, I agree with you, but from my, my research indicates that there may have been um, a, whole, uh, a whole menagerie of different sorts of pets in one hot dog. Oh. No. Like, like all the beasts of the field mashed together, if you can imagine. Okay. In, in one edible form. Well, like that, so here's, I mean, if you're mashing together many creatures, yes. do you know how many legs you're dealing with there? So many. Way too many. I mean, off. I have no problem with multiple legs, but I, I know that'd be upsetting to you. I don't understand how this pet, this dog, four-legged creature, as I've, I've done my research as well, mm-hmm. this, this pet, this domesticated uh, creature meant to be loved... Uh, I don't understand how you could possibly say that it's a bunch of creatures matched together. What kind of what kind of being in the universe, in the whole universe, would have a mashed together menagerie, all the beasts of the field as a as a pet? It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I I believe that that they were all mashed together in some weird Frankenstein sort of way, okay. and then and then prepared as a food product. It's disgusting if you ask so, me. So, so what you're saying is, the the hot the hot dog, and the dog itself is something different. I believe the dog was one of many creatures combined into this oh. Frankenstein food. That's that's even worse, as far as I'm concerned. I agree. These these earth earthlings are despicable creatures. Some research indicates that it was only the lips and assholes used. Well, if that's the case, and there's not just a bunch of extra legs thrown in there, then I'm, I'm, I'm more in. Okay. I'm still not behind it. It sounds filthy to it me as well. sounds disgusting. I agree. Bad people. Well, we are broadcasting to their time, so people Doesn't of Earth... Matter. Come get me. <laughs> uh, so Sam Parkhill opens a booth to sell... Said products yes. on hot, Mars. Hot dog stand. Hot dog stand, and he's he is the first on Mars. Here's here's uh, here's what he says, uh, and and I, I feel like we should we should really script a good um, slogan for him because he's work he's spitballing some here. Okay. I don't know if he's quite got it. So he says he says. Uh, Oh man, best hot dogs on two worlds! Exclamation point. Yeah. First man on Mars with a hot dog stand. Mm-hmm. The best onions and chili and mustard. Yep. Um, you can't say I'm not alert. Here's the main highways. Over there is the dead city and the mineral deposits. Those trucks from Earth Settlement 101 will have to pass here 24 hours a day. Do I know my locations or don't I? Yeah. question, I believe. Uh, so I, I think that those are, are if if I'm selling uh, dogs, hot dogs, hot dogs, you want them near the mineral deposits, no doubt. Oh yeah, yeah, because no there's doubt. gonna be a lot of miners there, and miners love dogs. <laughs> is that what is that what's up the mineral deposits? Miners. I mean, not, ju- not you're not serving any beer. Not juveniles. Beer still exists in the future. Correct. Pro, pro tip. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's 
most important elixir of the future. I, I, I think that I think that best hot dogs on two worlds is actually a pretty good. What do you think? <sighs> Again, do the, the the premise is disgusting, yeah, but that yeah, is yeah. a pretty good slogan. Okay. Yeah, for sure. You can't. Yeah, you can't blame Park Hill for that because that's a good one. That's a goodie. So last time we heard from him, right? He was getting his teeth knocked out. Yeah. Literally the last time we heard from him. Those of you following along, he wanted to shoot Spender in the head and then started breaking shit on, on Mars after Spender got killed by Captain Wilder. And then uh, Captain so, Wilder knocked his teeth out. Yeah, so, so we, should, we should... Maybe that... There's actually probably something there. Mm-hmm. Uh, from, what, from what I understand, you trying to explain to me, a uh, hot dog is just a mashed together bits of other bunch of creatures. Which, if you don't have teeth, seems a pretty viable option to, con- for, to consume. Mm, that's you right. Know, you could sort of gum those, seemingly. Uh, yeah. So, I see, I see your point. So, with that, uh, where, where he came from, there's, there's four different initial expeditions to Mars uh-huh. uh, in this book. Uh, the first three, various tragedy befalls them, let's sure. say. Sure. Um, the fourth one is the first to uh, to make it. Let's say they're the ones who live mm. generally. Yeah. Um, by if by make it you mean they get there after all the Martians have died. Oh, that's right. Pretty much. Not Correct. all of them. Most of them. That's right. Oh, let's talk about that. Yeah. So the fourth ones make it. There's this Captain Wilder. There's this Spender who loves. Old Martian stuff. There's yep. Sam Parkhill, who kind of like how we love the older stuff. That's right. Separate. I mean, you know. Well, I'm not gonna. Get, I've, I've ground my axes. Okay. But yeah, we we love it. We love your stuff. Yeah, I mean, these books are fantastic, and the movies we've watched here on the ship are fantastic. Yep. Your president Harrison Ford, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love him. He seems like an all around good guy. Great guy. Yeah, I mean, he has that real hairy friend. Sure. Um. He, he... I was going to, I was going to try, I mean, I'm trying to push your button to make, uh, the sound of this Harry French Chewbacca. Oh, oh It's not working. Oh, no, no. It's not, it's, it's not functioning. It seems I mean, to be, it I guess it might be my, incorpor- might be my incorporeal fingers trying to touch your buttons. Well, it, it still seems a little bit stuck to the one right next to it, sure. which is just like foghorn. <laughs> yeah, that one's that working, one that one's working fine, that but great. I'll, have to, uh, I'll have to, I mean, I, I said before I need to get the tuner out here yeah, to, to fix the soundboard. Um, well, so, so this, this, this disease, so the first three expeditions, these Earthmen show up on Mars, mm-hmm. uh, the Martians variously dismiss, kill, put in an insane asylum. Yes. Um. And then kill after And that. then kill, correct. Mm-hmm. Which again um, takes no more than a sentence. Right. Every time. Boy, there's an, okay, we need to talk about two things here. One, as I see it, is let's talk about how the Martians die and, and what happens there. But also, uh, the, the um, hmm, I don't know. Is that it? Just one thing? Yeah, let's just talk about one thing. Okay. One thing at a time. That's what I say. That's, yeah, that is what you say. Well, so. I see you saying that. All the time. It's like, should I uh, put on my left shoe or my right shoe or my middle shoes? Sure. And uh, I just have to do one at a time. One at a time. That's smart. Yeah. Which, okay, uh, which, di- like, direction do do the all your feet face? 
Uh, well, there's seven. Let's start from from my left to the right. So my left, okay. your, your right, that one faces for you. So let's make it as, yeah. as clear as possible. Okay. From my left, describe your right shoe, the direction that it's facing. Again, as clear as possible. Okay. One. On my right. On my one. right. My left, your right. Your right. Your most right it would be, leg. It would be what shoe faces. Uh, generally right. Generally right. Mm-hmm. Number two. Right. Number three. I mean, to look at it from here, you know, that's, that's, uh, there's, there's this thing that happens where it's, if you just looked at it, it would look almost, uh, almost like the same. This is where your shoes get confusing as it does one, because it's like, sure. it's almost just a straight foot. Sure. However, it's slightly right. Okay, slightly right. I guess maybe, maybe the most more important question for me is, where do you get your shoes? Oh, I, I have to go to a guy. A guy. Yeah. What's his name? Adidas. I see his logo on him. Oh well, uh, that's that's a period Adidas. Oh, a- Adidas. 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 Yeah, I've never okay. asked what the A stands for. Sure. Uh, I'm not even gonna guess. Yeah. Adidas shoes. <laughs> for your health. Mm-hmm. No, he's a he's a he's a good guy. They're all custom. I mean, that's the thing. When I go through one of the soles, and I have seven of them. Right. Uh, I, I do have to go back pretty regularly. Sure. Yeah. Of course. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Just, you know, again, no tangents on this show. No, no, no. We, we forbid them. That's, it's a, that, I mean, what we just talked about might as well be in the text. Exactly. It seems like an important issue that Ray Bradbury missed. Oh, exactly. So, yeah. that, and that was where we were at. That's where, exactly where we left off. All the Martians are dead. Right. Practically. Yes. And, no shoes uh, for them. what they find out... Uh, what the the Earth people find out, or maybe it's Spender in particular who's upset, is uh, here's what killed all the Martians: mm-hmm. chickenpox, right? A child's disease on yeah. on their Earth. And I had yeah, I, I mean I've heard about this, and and here's actually the thing: I have I have an issue with with calling it a child's disease and calling it like a disease that people sort of. I don't know. I, I don't know. Under, undermining its importance seems like a mistake to me because chickens, as far as Did I know, up? Yeah. two legs. Well, that's you know that's basically just as good as a human any any other human disease. So what's the big deal? Yeah, I, um, that's I mean, if we're talking dog disease, then you know, or dog pox, that would be something to get upset about. But you know, two-legged creature, two wings, don't touch the ground. Uh, what's the big deal? Get over it. I believe that those chickens uh, were another one of the uh, uh, pet ingredients that they would use to create this freakish Frankenstein dog that they then made into the food product, hot dogs. See, if they just called it freakish Frankenstein dogs, then I wouldn't have a problem because that doesn't imply a specific pet. You know? And then, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe it's majority dog, you think? And then... Other creatures combined. Majority. I'm very confused. Like a democracy dog. Yes, but then, but then, really, it was still just the, um, you know, a couple of guys who picked the real ingredients. Um, yeah, Spender's hard to empathize with in this book. Not, no, not okay. Spender. Sorry, sorry. Um, Park Hill. Park Hill. Hard to empathize with. Yeah. Uh, and that makes it even worse. 
but I need to get over it. This, you know, I I know what fact and fiction is. Uh, but the fact is, you eat you eat hot dogs. It's disgusting. <laughs> You're bad people. Sorry. All right, I'm I'm over it. I'm Be over that it. as it may, we'll talk about it again. Uh, chicken pox uh, <coughs> killed most most of the. Well, howdy. We seem to be receiving a uh, strange transmission. transmission through the through through the radio here. I'm the, man, I thought I was the only holographic guest on this. Sh- on you this are show. the only holographic one. This one's only coming through an audio on my radio here. Let me uh, turn the dial and see if I can dial it in anymore. Everything's getting destroyed. Oh, oh, there it is. Oh, I, I, that's exactly what it is. I remembered. We have uh, we have some commercials now, John. Uh, really? Who who would want to sponsor? Yeah, I don't. This? I don't know. It was an it was an anonymous donation, but um, I I've uh, I've rigged up on our soundboard here a translation machine so that our listeners nine hundred years ago can understand it as well. Sure. Um, let's uh let's cut to commercial. Uh, okay. Okay. Here we go. Are one of your eight stomachs empty? Try Mayor Oscom's Interstellar Tube Meat now from seven different planets. Our tube meat contains meat from many different animals and creatures, multiple legs included. Uh, now only... All right. Well, and we're back. Like, it seemed like the, uh, the translation machine sort of fell apart there at the end. Yeah, I'm, man, I'm going to have to work a little bit harder for the next time to get this thing up and running, but... Uh... Those sound delicious. Uh, I don't know. There was some leg stuff going on there that I wasn't totally comfortable oh, with. Oh, I don't know. I'm completely in. All right. You want to go have some after the show? Mm, yep. Okay. Great. <laughs> so, uh, what were we talking about before the commercial? Ooh, that's oh. a really good question. Well, regardless, I do remember the chicken pox. Yes. Here's what I wanted to say about that. Okay. Uh, so, in, in this scenario, in the Martian Chronicles... It's the chicken box uh-huh. that essentially wipe out most of Martian civilization. Sure. Um, and that's that uh, Earth men have brought that to Mars. Uh-huh. So uh, I also picked up here on the ship a copy of H.G. Wells' book, The War of the Worlds. Um, and there's also the film about it floating around here somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, I've only seen the film. Okay. Uh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Great. Great, great guy. American I'm hero. It seems like I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah. There was the movie with him flying in the plane and planes and all that. Exactly. Only one movie he's ever flown in a plane. I think. Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, his mission was impossible, but mm-hmm. he always completes it. So, Tom Cruise, American hero. So in in that book, and and I I actually it's been longer since I've seen the film, but in that book, so I I think it's an interesting thing the way that H. G. Mm-hmm. Wells deals with Martians. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that book and the way that uh, Ray Bradbury deals with Martians in this book. So uh-huh. uh, in this book, Martian Chronicles, um, the the Martians seem like great people that you yeah. like to, to meet. Sure. And the Earthmen go and wipe out their civilization. Right. Yeah. Uh, I and, mean, yeah. Great, huh? well, I mean, I would say great people because they have two legs but, uh, well, already. But... Uh, you know, maybe maybe less like morally good and just sort of totally indifferent. Sure. Um, they just seem totally content with whatever society or their own society, and I, I don't know, like kind of just don't give a shit about mm-hmm. the human intervention. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
which, you know, not to jump way back, but, but one of the early chapters about um, some of the, uh, the, earth, the earth men coming to the planet mm-hmm. and everybody just sort of like just rolls their eyes at them. Yeah. They're just like, well, uh, we're from Earth. True. Well, what's the big deal about that? You're right about that. Which is, you know, it's, it's because they think they're um, delusional. Exactly. Um, but, you know, that's going to be that's going to be too long of a different story. So well, let's I'm, get, I'm sorry let's, for the tangent. Let's get back to that in a second. Yeah, <laughs> okay. we run a tight, a tight pod tight here. Tight ship, yeah. Pod, uh, and uh, uh, in the Martian Chronicles, though, or no, excuse me, in War of the Worlds, H.G. Wells, yep. uh, these Martians uh-huh. show up on Earth, yes. and they've got these amazing, like, octo robotic uh, machines that they drive around. When you say octo-robotic, you mean that they... I mean, they've got a lot of legs, and I know that that's going to bother you. Sorry, sorry. I'll I'll shut up. I'm leaving it alone. Well, we can... I won't go there. Okay, so anyway, they they drive around these pods, and they burn everything up, and they kill people, and they catch stuff on fire, and I don't know at any point if it says, like, hi, we're Martians, and here's why we want to destroy you. Right. Um, so the Earth people, including Tom Cruise, try everything they can to stop them. Uh-huh. You know, the military is, is mobilized and nothing works until what finally start, what finally does kill off these Martians is like Earth diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very similar way that the Martians are destroyed um, with, right. with Earth like simple disease. Yes. Um, but in War of the Worlds, you're, you're like, oh, great, uh, because these Martians wanted to kill us. Sure. Whereas um, in the Martian Chronicles, it's like, ah, oh, bummer. Well. Chicken pox. Well, for some, from some people's perspective in the book, at the other side, it's sort of the same thing. So in War of the Worlds, uh, you know, Tom Cruise, yep. great, great, great movie. Just, just want to say that. Uh, two, two legs on the ground. My rating of that movie. Um, we have to. But, ra- we need to. We do need to rate these books. In that's a true. Okay. Sorry. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll keep on track here. But, okay. but um, what, what was I saying? Okay. Yeah, so in the in the movie slash this other book, which I haven't read again, mm-hmm. um, it is like, yeah, great. Um, our diseases wipe them out. That's you know we're saved. In the in the Martian Chronicles, it's kind of the same thing from the perspective of most of the human of the Earth creatures, which is. Uh, great, they're dead, so now we can sort of uh, pillage this planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only very, very few uh, Earth men who seem to empathize at all mm-hmm. with the Martians. Um, it's just from a different perspective. Uh, one of them being the ones like doing the pillaging, and the other one uh, in the in the world of worlds, they're uh, they're being killed, mm-hmm. uh, persecuted, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, basically, bacterium. The most powerful force in the universe. That's right. There's they became self-aware. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. Oh, I don't want to. Spoil. Can't. Can't go there. Let's just say there's way more of them than there are of us. Yes. Whatever. However you define us. Right. Right. Did you want to talk about that? No. Does that make sense? It's too, it's too much of a spoiler. Okay. That's for fair. These, for Earth, nine hundred years in. Uh, in the past. That's completely fair. No, we don't want you know. If they know it's coming, we'll change know, the course know. of history. That's not what I we know. want. No. That were the case, we might we would never exist. Right, we might write ourselves out of existence. Mm-hmm. It's not what you want. It's mm-hmm. the power of writing. But don't take my word for it. Take 
Ray Bradbury's word for it. So uh, I, I will say I, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about how much I, I really truly loved, and I started to mention this, the, the ending of this book. So starting with that, November 2005, the off-season, which we talked about with um, Sam Parkhill and his hot dog stand. Hot dog stand. Starting with that chapter onward, I, I couldn't put this book down, as they say. Um, and uh, so it, it begins... You have a very crowded desk. Is that why? So that's place exactly to put it. why. There's, that's really why I don't put anything down. Right. Our podcasting surface here on the pod is, uh, is a rather small. It's occupied mostly with our podcasting equipment, um, space to keep uh, beverages, lots of cup holders, so many cup holders. Right. Which is weird because I, you know, in the place where my physical body is, I have my exactly. own cup holders. So why do you have so many there? I've... I, you know, I try to be accommodating to my guests, even sure. if they are only holographic projections. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. It means a lot. You're welcome. I'm sorry that they're all full of empty mugs. Right. right. It is, yeah. There's not a lot of free space anywhere in there. I don't I do not do dishes. That place is a mess. Is I, there, it, man, you need a janitor or something real bad. I'm sorry. I, I, don't, have a, uh, I don't have a sink on this ship. Uh, so I, I don't do dishes. Sure. Okay. Um, don't judge me. Well... I'm not going to judge you, but you decide, Galaxy. <laughs> uh, Sorry, so, hold on, I messed that up. Galaxy, you decide. There it the is. The order was important. Order it is. Important. So the Galaxy knows to be listening. Otherwise, the Galaxy might be asleep, and right. then they, they don't wake up until they hear their name, at which point sure. you've already said. Narcolepsy was a big deal in 900 years in the past, am I mistaken? I believe so. Okay. Wake up! <laughs> I think it should be taken care of now. Uh, wake up! What do you want make up? <laughs> I don't know. I just came up with that. That was my. It suddenly just came over me, and now it's gone. That's good. Is that a rap song? Uh, because we do need to rap here in just a second. That's the segment. You gotta wrap it up if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we're gonna wrap it out. We're gonna wrap it out. I'm rapping paper. Are you rapping already? Nope. Did you hear I'm wrap it out with wrap it out? <laughs> that was really good. Thank you. It just came Galaxy, to, you decide. It just came to me as well. Uh, a lot of inspiration striking today. Uh, uh, let me talk about this. In this chapter, what happens is there's these Martians. There's only a few Martians left. And we at this point, it's been so long since we've even actually really heard from the Martians. Sure. Um, but they, they show up. So I, I think sure. one of my favorite images in this whole book, and if I was to like make make a drawing, some fan art drawing about the Martian Chronicles, sure. it would be this scene. It would be these beautiful, beautiful Martians mm-hmm. showing up and being like, hey, Sam Parkhill, hey, bro, what's up? Sure. Let's talk. And Sam Parkhill with his uh, hot dog stand. Yes. Um, let me... Uh, let me let me find this. So the first time that he sees them, uh, there's Sam Parkhill and there's um, his wife, who yeah, is, never named is named. I, I think she is. Never Elsie? mind, Elma. Elma. Sorry, Elma. So uh, Elma. Elma says to to Sam, she's like, "Hey, Sam, a friend of yours to see you." And Sam turns around. He sees this mask uh, floating in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sam, Sam's holding. At this point, he's holding his broom like it's like it's some weapon. Mm-hmm. So he's holding this broom, and here I'm going to read. I'm going to read. Uh, I'm going to read an audiobook. 
The mask nodded. It was cut from pale blue glass and was fitted above a thin neck, under which were blowing loose robes of thin yellow silk. From the silk, two mesh silver hands appeared. The mask mouth was a slot from which musical sounds issued now as the robes, the masks, the hands increased to a height, decreased. And then, uh, and then basically this, this, uh, this Martian and Sam have this conversation, and the mm-hmm. whole chapter is the two of them talking. The Martians really want to tell him this important thing. Mm-hmm. Sam just wants to hit them with his broom or drive his... Uh, or shoot him with his, with his gun. Shoot him with his gun. She does to at least two. Yes. And then he's got that... Um, well, he's got, a, like a, he's got like a pickup truck, but then he's mm-hmm. also got a... Uh, sand ship? A sand ship. Have you ever driven one of those? Uh, I have not. Man. I, you know... I haven't seen sand in at least 400 years. Is that right? Yes. Man, I've driven one once, and they handle nice. Sweet. Yeah. Sounds rad, bro. If you ever get a chance, take one out. <laughs> All right. Oh, it's so cool. Everybody talks like this when talk about sand ships. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it just sort of happens. Oh, whoa. It's in the owner's manual, I think. I believe you have so. have to talk like that. Oh, you do? Yes. Yeah. But Otherwise, they don't, you, they don't work. They don't function. No way. They, they're responsive partly to that voice. Exactly. We should have made that clear before we started talking that yeah. way. Yeah, sorry. It's sorry, Earth people. For a, for a short while. So at that point, what happens? What these Martians, um, what these Martians do? They kind of, um, they kind of like punked him, and uh, action catcher. Is that what that's a reference to? I believe so. I found it in some of the literature. Sure. Uh, go on. So they. Dude, my car? Sorry. They, go they on. They deed him. They dude, where's my sand ship? Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. They deed him most of Mars. Yeah. And he's so excited. And then they're like, oh, and also, um, there's a gigantic, like, atomic war on Earth. So yes. nobody's coming to Mars now. Mm-hmm. So have fun with your hot dog sand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and from there on out, um, the rest of the book is really about um, Earth is essentially engulfed in this atomic war. Uh-huh. Most of the people have left Mars. No one knew will be coming Yes. Um, to Mars, at least for millennia, as we know. Yep. Um, That's true. Yeah, I mean, one of the, you know, the questions I might have, uh, and, and there's really no answer mm-hmm. from what I read or from what I understood, was why people decide to go back after they see mm-hmm. the Earth yeah. uh, Earth as a big fireball. Seems like, you know, oh, from, any, yeah. from anything that I've ever seen uh, that includes video games, yes, mm-hmm. we have video games, all of your Earth video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to stay away from fireballs. They're on the ship. In, in Mario, for yep. instance, uh, they kill... Is that they how you pronounce it? That's why I pronounce oh, it. I thought it was Mario. Sure. Oh, okay. You, you know, I'm sorry, I, you I'm know, sorry. Some of my friends say Mario. Small it, detail. Right. But regardless, you know, you get hit by a fireball and you're a mushroom creature, mm-hmm. you're dead. Mm-hmm. So what's the deal? Mm-hmm. Uh, steer clear of fireballs, as I, far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting thing, too. In, in the other uh, science fiction I've read, typically what, what makes people want to go to Mars or to another planet... Is it is not a fireball. Exactly. And yes. it's because there is, a, like, a giant fireball on Earth. There's some gigantic war, and so people are like, we got to mm-hmm. get out of here. Yep. Let's go to Mars. Let's go find a new home. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this case, it's exactly the opposite. There's this gigantic fireball war on Earth, and people are like, let's go back. We have to go back. We care about this place. Yep. I think I think that's kind of actually an amazing reversal that happens in this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would. 
I, I would totally agree. Um, at the same time, the actions of the people that are already on Mars seem inconceivable. Why would you go back? I don't have anything more in, intelligent to say than that. Uh, you guys fucked up. <laughs> fucked up. Stay, stay where you are. Stay on Earth, exactly. No, stay what? on Mars. On Mars. In this case. Mars people. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Because you know, which one's not a fireball? <laughs> Mars. It's an easy decision. Well, here's here's maybe the counterpoint to that. Um, I'm I'm looking up real quick. So, um, in in a chapter where another one of our characters from that fourth expedition reappears. Mm-hmm. This is, this time, April 2026, The Long Years. Mm-hmm. And it is Hathaway, who's this genius scientist. He builds uh-huh. robot replicants of his wife and children after they've died. Yes. And um, after... Someone call him Andes. Andes. Oh, well, P.K. Dickwood. P.K.D. Um, so, uh... R.I.P. Uh, Wilder finds him there, Hathaway passes away, I suppose, he dies. Yes. And um, and then uh, Captain Wilder has this conversation with the robot wife um, mm-hmm. and, and, and says, you know, you're, well, he says, do you know what's just happened? And explains he's, he's died. Uh-huh. And then asks the robot wife, how do you feel? And she says, quote, he didn't want us to feel badly. He told us it would happen one day, and he didn't want us to cry. He didn't teach us how, you know, he didn't want us to know. He said it was the worst thing that could happen to a man to know how to be lonely and know how to be sad and then to cry. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that's exactly, you know, it's like that's why you leave, right? Because, sure. because what's worse than your home planet exploding? Well, being lonely. Sure. Like, that's worse. That's way worse. Yeah. I mean, and there's another chapter that sort of addresses that same same question, the one with, I don't remember the name of it, but the one where Walter Grip mm-hmm. is apparently the last man on Earth, and then yeah. he finds this woman who ends up being sort of intolerable to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah, I mean, which that, that, that chapter actually sort of complicates that a little bit because he found somebody. Yes. He was very lonely for a long mm. period of time, found this person who he found, uh, totally just intolerable, cannot stand living with this person. So that that one's a little hmm. strange. I mean, it, it throws a wrench into that question because he would rather be alone and lonely than, uh, than totally miserable with this other person. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, uh, you know, going back to the thing, you know, you don't want to be lonely on space. You know, I imagine it would be, uh, extremely lonely uh, going to this place where there's so few humans, especially so few that you that you know that you um, can sort of relate to. And I think early on in the book, uh, when the fourth expedition gets to Mars, mm-hmm. that's why they want to sort of have this party because they they sort yeah. of did this great thing and they sacrificed all the people that knowing all the people that they know uh, to make this journey to to advance humanity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they wanted to be sort of rewarded or celebrated for it, um, sort of as payment for the loneliness they yeah. think they might feel. So, yeah, that's uh, loneliness is a big is a big part of this whole book. That's right. I would say. There's there's one more thing I'd I'd like to touch on before we wrap this thing up. Okay. And then I've got one other thing to touch on. Okay. You. Very good. So we wrap um, it out. Exactly. 
as we do on this podcast. Uh, we do what we do. So um, er, early on, I guess this is back during that Usher 2. It's, it's a strange chapter. Mm-hmm. And um, he's uh, Mr. Stendhal, who built this crazy house, goes on screaming at the architect about what it's for and, mm-hmm. and where these things come from. Sure. And so um, let me see here. He says this thing. Podcast gold, looking yep. stuff up. Here it is. So he's talking about all of these uh, these fictional characters, these amazing fictional characters, uh-huh. like from The Wizard of Oz, um, from Jack and the Beanstalk, mm-hmm. and then he says Alice in Wonderland, and then this one now I want to quote where he's he's lamenting that all these fantastical characters have been uh, killed essentially mm-hmm. by by, like, scientists. So he says, Sleeping Beauty awoke at the kiss of a scientist and expired at the fatal puncture of his syringe. And when I read that, I thought, well, this is strange, because here we are reading the science fiction novel, mm-hmm. and um, and here's Ray Bradbury ragging on science. Yeah. And, and I couldn't quite, like, wrap my head around that. But then I thought that later on, at the very end of the book... Um, this family is basically the last family on Mars, uh-huh. and the the father is talking to the children about why they're here, and he's he's getting rid of a lot of these things from Earth, and he says then um, he says life on Earth never settled down to doing anything very good. Science ran too far ahead of us too quickly, and people got lost in a mechanical wilderness like children. Making over pretty things, gadgets, helicopters, rockets, emphasizing the wrong items, emphasizing machines instead of how to run the machines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, to me, that's really interesting because Ray Bradbury acts like a science fiction writer, yeah. and yet it seems like what he's kind of arguing for in this book, at least, with, with those fictional characters and then with that monologue from the father, is this, like, um, human reasonable, um, empathic, like, response to, to the, to the sort of, like, cold, whatever that is, whether it's science or other things that kind of disregard the human. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, because, like, it seems like sort of a paradox that he would be, Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't say anti-science, but maybe just, um, you know, uh, sort of warning people to, to think uh, hard about these science discoveries and the, these advances before they happen, yeah. which is sort of his role as a science fiction writer. Like he gets to, in some ways, like yeah. be the imagineer for for the for the problems of the future, and um, and, so, and so I don't know. In some ways, he, uh, he he's just wanting you know science science fiction. Um, and this imagination and this consideration to to catch up to the actual science like innovation um, mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i mean that's that's the the important part of science fiction i think is that is that it gives us time to think ahead about maybe what the what the scientific discoveries of our time are going to lead to mm-hmm. um, and when i say I, when i say our time i mean your time uh, obviously, because we, again, we don't want to give out any spoilers, but we know how this all goes. Mm-hmm. 
and Mr. Bradbury might have some kind of point. Yeah, pay attention. So Take yeah, notes. don't uh, don't look away from from sci-fi because it's real. What's uh, <laughs> uh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not even gonna give it a whole bunch of time. I'm not even gonna look up the actual chapter because okay. I think it is too despicable to even mention by name. Wow. Uh, yeah, there's a chapter in this book that basically deals with. Um, people treating other, so humans, earthlings, mm-hmm. treating other earthlings badly because they have a different skin color. This is uh, there's a word used, which for some reason I am just, it's too, I don't know, it, it seems like such a potent word that I'm just going to call it the N-word. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to use the actual term. Uh, and it, it just hurts to hear the actual term. It seems, it seems very negative. It's a it seems, troubling it has chapter. Negative, has negative connotations. Troubling chapter, but these these people with a particular skin color are against these people of a of a different skin color, mm-hmm. and it seems strange. I mean, y'all got two legs. What's the big deal? I was uh, I was tracking with you. I was tracking with you. I was tracking yeah. with you, and then I may have lost you with with the leg business. But nope. uh, I think the rest is a valid argument. Uh, thank you, and again. I'm not even going to name the chapter. It's uh, sort of a moot point. Mm. Get along. Y'all got two legs. So we have run out of time, I'm afraid, to uh, to try to rename this sci-fi book club podcast to to a well, new, more manageable It, it almost became called the sci-fi uh, audiobook club podcast, but I, that seems clunkier. Yeah, I think and we didn't get worse. We didn't get too far into the audiobook, so... Well, should we... Sci-Fi um, Book Club Podcast. I agree. I think that's right. Um, we'll, we'll put that off until next episode. Yes. And then we'll, we'll rename this podcast something more manageable and easy to say. Uh-huh. So, um... Less syllables. I think, I think that's right. And I think that um, we should probably wrap this thing out. Wrap it out. Uh, 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 we can maybe... Maybe, uh, maybe we'll start that. Maybe... You can start that, and then we can switch, and, and, and you know, one can, one can beat and one can rap. Okay. Uh, and, okay. And, until the next time, though, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm your seven-legged paper host, Brent Aldrich, and uh, join me as always, John Love, uh, who's joined me as a holographic projection on this ship. Beaming in. Beaming um, out. Wrapping out. Do, well, we're going to wrap out. Do you want to start the beat and then... Alt, and then we'll switch midway through. I'm receiving the holographic thumbs up. Yeah. It's the chronic. Martian chronic. You want to catch it if you're on Earth. Because there's better things ahead. Looking up. Up at the sky. The sky's so high. Take my rocket to Mars. Hope I don't get shot. Buy a Martian, see if I care when they come to Earth. Well, yep, 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 Back on track. Beaming in. Back on track. Um, I'm not black because I'm a hologram. But if I was black, that wouldn't matter, shouldn't matter. No matter the color, shouldn't matter. <laughs> no, no, this rhymes.
but I'm in time. I'm sinking with the beat. Um, you should check out your hot dog meat. What kind of creature is that? How many legs has it got? You better check it. You better not wreck it. Like your bowels, they're getting fucked up. You're spitting vowels, not consonants. Taking a rocket to Coruscant. That doesn't rhyme, but in my mind it looked pretty similar. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a bad rapper. Uh, see you later. Sorry, I'm a bad beater. Bye. Your honesty shine, shine, shine now. Don't, don't, don't.